Well, today I'm going to begin a new series. It's going to be about generosity, and we're calling it Do It. In other words, we don't just be hearers, but we want to be doers. I am passionately excited about this series. I'll probably be doing all three of these messages myself with great appreciation for our team so many great things happening over the weekend. Uh, basics class, some of you, I saw your name on the list, but I didn't see you there. Get it next time. But what a great turnout. Alpha had a getaway for the class, and that's winding down before long, and so thankful. Good things are happening, good things are happening. So I'm excited about this, and I consider this a privilege and honor to share these truths with you. So when you, not just say, but, but we often say when we pray, Y2J, that means you say yes to Jesus personally and you invite him into your heart and life. You, you agree with all he did on the cross for you and you say yes, come into my life and I wanna come into a relationship with God the Father through Jesus his son. So when that happens, you've embraced and entered in, I'll call it an exclusive relationship and it looks like this. And that's the subtitle today, Live Exclusively. I'm telling you, we believe in inclusively in a lot of ways, but when it comes to this, we want to live exclusively. Here's what exclusively looks like. Exodus 20, verse 3, from the message, paraphrase, no other gods, only me. Is that pretty clear? Is that exclusive or what? No other gods, only me. In other words, I'm the only one with a capital G. All the others are small G-O-S, G-O-D-S, I went to spelling class when I was a kid. <laughs> so for the next three weeks, we're gonna look about the blessings of generosity. God will use what we return and give to make an impact on others. And I'm gonna un unashamedly call you to action, to action. So I just wonder, now some of you better be careful about raising your hands in church because you know that may make you conspicuous. I know some of you are allergic to that. But how many of you Consider yourself to be a generous person. Yeah, a few of you. The rest you're so humble you won't admit to it. How many of you think your spouse is a generous person? How many of you know somebody that's a generous person? Are they likable or not? Well, of course they are. It's attractive. Generosity, not only kindness, but makes a person attractive. And I want to tell you as your pastor, I'm so proud of you. And by the way, I'm reaching out with a big hug to all of you online as well because you're a part of our church family, you who regularly gather there. Some of you that love to be here today in person, but you can't be. But the overall average and rating for Worcester Naz is this from this pastor's heart. You are a very generous people, and I am so proud of you. And you know what I found and I'm finding that the best is always ahead when follows, it follows generosity because God always shows ways of blessing his people in acts of generosity. He loves to catch you in an act of generosity, no matter if it's spontaneous or strategic or whatever. Acts 20, 35. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus Anybody agree? I mean, most of us, our Bibles, it still has read when Jesus speaks, does it not? How do you think his words are pretty important? You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed, more blessed, my father used to say, to give than to receive. Have any of you found that to be true? Even at Christmas time, I'd, I'd much rather give a good gift than get one. And I'll just summarize it. In our modern language, it's better to give than to get. Because you know, when you get, it's just like, Hmm, is that all there is? Is that all there is? 
Whatever God blesses in turns will be used to make a difference, to make that impact that I'm talking about. That's why it is so unfortunate that some people, of course nobody here, but some people get uncomfortable when teaching on the topic of generosity arises. You know, I've never met a generous person that's uncomfortable with me talking about generosity. Hmm, what might that say? Just asking. But there are many who seldom have generous thoughts, much less actions. Generosity doesn't just come with an act without your will. It's a decision, it's a generous thought that sparks the act. Oh, here's another one. Many give something so they think they're being generous. Hmm. But these are not necessarily the same thing. To become a generous person is to know the pure joy of being used by God to make that impact. And here's the good news, until you drost your first breath in heaven and even beyond that, you never get done being generous. Because when you get to heaven, I mean, if you're stingy with your praise of God there, when you get to heaven, you're not gonna be able to be stingy with your praise and adoration. It'll just flow out of you. A thought. Most Americans would say, I'm not rich, and probably a lot of them would say I'm not generous. Maybe they, they do or not, I don't know. But most Americans say, I don't feel rich. And they are. Most people feel like they're generous, and they are not. Think about that. I've talked to you before, I'm sure, about this comparison game. That's how we squirm out of so many things where the Holy Spirit wants to convict us, not condemn us. Don't ever confuse those two words. But most don't feel rich because they always compare themselves to somebody who has more. And no matter how much you have today, somebody always has more. Or they compare themselves to others and they give more than those people. Come on. And in so doing, we rationalize, we compromise, we squirm out of it. Because when it comes to matters of generosity, there's always more. I've probably talked to you extensively that the problem with comparing is we compare generosity sometimes and being rich to, a, to other Americans. But when you compare yourself to the rest of the world, I want to tell you, you are rich indeed. I've read stats galore that say something like this. If you own a transportation vehicle other than a horse, <laughs> you're easily in the top percent of the world's wealth class. And then, I mean, think about the things we take for granted. I mean, from eating choices in grocery stores and people serving you when you sit down and a vehicle, not only do you have a house, but your vehicle has a house. You just can't park in it because it's full of stuff. You know who I mean. Your home's climate controlled. You have indoor plumbing and facilities. Most of you do. And you have comfortable beds to sleep in. You have closets full of clothes that you still don't have anything to wear. I remember my sister and mother going around my sister every Saturday morning. I don't have anything to wear. My mother would go in the room and she'd start picking out outfits and putting things together. None of you ever do that, do you? These stats are fluctuating, but, but I don't think there's an upward trend. There's a downward trend. Americans, on average, give away basically 2.8% of what they bring in. 2.8%, period. That, that's not just church people, that's people in general. 
And I guarantee you that that rate is much higher in this life-giving fellowship. But here's the truth. The more people have, the less percentage they, they, they tend to give. You know why? Because if they have a lot, they think that percentage, let's say 10%, that's too much. Where we didn't think anything about 10% of a lesser amount. I think God's way into percentages more than he is into totals. You can figure that out later. Um, if this represents you, any of these things, then I wanna tell you with all the passion I can muster that I believe you're missing out. You can do better. These statistics that I've just given are not honoring for America or any other culture. That's not what active Jesus followers do. It's not what we do. No apologies for that. We truly believe that it's better to give than to get, as I mentioned. Most people would say they want to be generous, but the challenge is this. Many of you don't feel like you can. So many say you want to be generous, but many say I don't feel like I can. Oh, there's that battle of the want to and the feel like it again. Huh? Remember around here, we believe that our want to trumps our feel like it, don't we? I want to, therefore I will, regardless of how I feel. And God will work on the feeling part because he wants you to have joy when you invest in the kingdom and in others. Things may be tight for you, I don't know. You may be hurting today. You may be afraid to take this step of faithful obedience and therefore it becomes a vicious cycle, like here we go again, here I go again. I first became of Stephen Covey's writings years ago and he wrote, I remember, about a scarcity mentality and an abundance mentality. And in my experience, many people are suffering from a severe case of scarcity mentality. I don't know if your doctors would diagnose this, but I think spiritually that's true. It sounds like this, I can't afford to give, I always am behind, there's always more month than there is money or whatever, and here's how the scarcity mentality, this cycle, never ending cycle works. Works like this, God supplies because he's a great provider, you consume, you lack, you have fear, you keep consuming all, practicing deficit spending, never catch up, and this becomes an endless, vicious cycle, and you've been on that wheel for such a long time. You know, I, I was just thinking, I, parenthetically, I, when I was doing this, I thought, my father was a preacher for 43 years. I know how many sermons I heard him give. I, I, I hardly ever remember him talking about giving in church on a regular basis. I never did. I mean, he pastored, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and the like. But they did talk about it, and they sure, certainly modeled it at home, for sure. And I think I caught more than I was probably taught. But I'll say it again, if you get uncomfortable or tense when this topic, generosity, comes up, you may be immersed in that scarcity cycle and you don't even know it. And it could look like this, I can't or maybe even I don't want to do that or I don't feel like doing that. Oh, here's the biggie that I get. And people are so, oh no, why did you come to church on a day like this? I don't apologize, I'm giving you a hot tip that can totally change your life today. But here's the big one I hear still as a pastor. The church just wants my money. You just gotta stay out of my wallet. Well, I wonder how God will respond to a line like that. I think you'd be better put to say, God's just after my money. Well, he is. You know why? Because he's trying to get to your heart. And he knows that your heart and treasure are always found in the same place. Yes? So 
Some of the lines you use, the throwaway lines, uh, think about how God is going to respond to that. Change the words. Um, I was thinking of that tune from Greatest Showman, Never Enough, Never, Never. Does anybody remember that? You ever saw this song? That's so true because some people, it doesn't matter what they have, it'll never be enough, never be enough, never be enough, never be enough. But with God, there's always enough. Period. There's enough God. So, I'm gonna, two points. You give, you return, I'll say it that way, and God multiplies. This is my first one. Here it is, exclusive living. The path to exclusive living. Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. No other gods, only me. No other gods, only me. And live righteously. You can't seek him above all else and live unrighteously. How many of you know that's true? You gotta follow him in a relationship. And then he will give you everything you need. It doesn't say everything you want, though he throws in a lot of those too, doesn't he? Huh? He'll give you everything you what? You need. Because he wants to move us from the needy side to the needed side where we're gonna pour out, pour out, pour out, lift palms up. As Jesus followers, you must have a totally different perspective because of what God has done. In John three sixteen. that most of us have heard most of our life, for God so loved that he, this is what we do. God has promised as you honor him in all things, that's that verse, exclusive living. He's promised to provide for all your needs. Some of you have an attitude, but you've never put God to the test and said, I'm gonna prove your word to be faithful. Well, I did that once. Huh. Needs to be repetitive. Psalm 67, seven says it this way. I call this another one of those point and praise verses. God blesses us so people all over the world will fear him. And as team members of God's family in the last series we talked about, it's a privilege and a responsibility to be generous. Is it not? It is. Oh, I like this one in Proverbs 10, 6a. The godly are showered with blessings. Why? So what we, not say, I did it my way. You know, sorry, Frank, great song, but I don't agree with theology behind it. I did it God's way. I'm doing it God's way. And he'll pour out, on, that's Frank Sinatra I was referring to. If some of you, I did it my way. Okay, okay. Some of you need to wake up here. You had an extra hour of sleep. I strongly believe God wants us to have not a scarcity mentality, as Covey writes, but an abundance mentality. And here it is. It's in the middle of our vision frame that we're transitioning to, and we need to change that in the membership booklet, by the way. I just noticed that yesterday. You know what I'm talking about, basic class? More to come. With God, there's more to come. Agreed? Because this life isn't all there is, and when we've lived whatever days and drawn whatever breaths we have, there's more to come, and that'll be heaven, unending joy, unending worship. This is the complete opposite of that scarcity Eeyore mentality, as I often say. I would have brought Eeyore in, but he's in the shop for repairs because Charlie Brown got a hold of my office one day and his stuffing was unstuffed. So Dixie's got it at home on the shelf. We're gonna do a repair job. Next time you'll see him, he'll be battered. I'm, I'm telling the truth. With God, there's that perpetual cycle of provision. He has called you and wills you to live in that cycle of perpetual generosity. Not what have I done, 
But Lord, I wanna bring honor and glory to you today. What do you wanna do through me? What do you want to do through me? It's not that we're that great. We're not saying, look at me, look at us, we're generous. We're saying, look at him, look at him, look at him. How can we do anything less because we know him and love him? Because he's been overwhelmingly generous with us. The godly are showered with blessings. Second Corinthians, I wanna read this passage slowly, chapter nine, verses seven through nine. This, is, this makes it individual for all of us. And all of us, this applies to all of us because we all have to deal with things and finances and all that. And I wanna tell you again, it comes down to a matter of the heart, nothing else, nothing less. Let me read this slowly. I do very few things slowly. I will read this slowly. You must each decide in your heart. Where do you decide? In your heart. The seat of your conscience, how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or under pressure. This is not a pressure point message. This is good news I'm sharing with you today. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And every time you do, heaven applauds. You want the applause of God? Be generously joyful. No, be joyfully generous. And God, verse eight, here's how he'll respond. God will, provide, will generously provide all you need. Again, there's that promise. He said, when are you gonna let me start taking care of you because you're not doing such a good job taking care of you? Will you let me take care of you? Then, when you put God first and seek him, when you trust his generosity and provision, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I'll have some stories later in the series, I'm sure. But we think we have to have lots and gobs to share with others. That has nothing to do with it. How many of you know a thoughtful act of generosity is far more valuable than something that's more valuably given without that genuine sincerity? Are you with me on that? You know, the obligation gifts or whatever. Plenty left over to share. I believe in sharing, don't you? What, and now what we want to teach our kids and grands all the time? Share. Be like daddy and mommy. Grandma and grandpa, share. I got it from you. <laughs> Mine. You know how it goes. As the scriptures say, verse 9, they are freely, who? The generous, the sharing. They, are, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's what creates family legacies. That's what gives Jesus and the church a good name when it's filled with generous people that are just looking for the next stop on the generosity journey. God wants you to use your free will and he wants you to choose to live generously. It's not about giving or returning, really. It's about living generously and in so doing, you become God's responsibility. The key is this, though, as I just read, you have to share and be generous with the right attitude. If you feel manipulated or pressured here, don't give. Don't do it. God only wants cheerful givers. You may not feel it at first, but you will. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. When you, I like to say, profess and possess an abundance mentality, that's healthy, I read, I read things in prep that, that said that, that it's off the charts that generous people tend to live longer. I believe that's true. It becomes a massive blessing to be generous with others. It's what I'll call living in the sweet spot, or let's call it sweet spot living. 
I love that, don't you? Are you living in the sweet spot of God's favor? You can't do that. You can't be there without making generous choices as a lifestyle, okay? So you give, you return. And then the scriptures are clear. God multiplies. How have you known a long time ago that you can't calculate God's math on your calculator? It doesn't make sense. Does anybody in the room or listening to me have God figured out? Well, if you can't figure him out, you're never gonna be able to figure him out when it comes to generosity. I promise you that. But here it is. Here's the cycle, and I'm sure I'll repeat that throughout the series of this. Here it is. God loves you so much. Mm. I was doing a Devo with the kids today for NASFIT on Thursday, and I told them, whatever, I was talking about attitude, and I said, hey, just remember this, no matter what you think. Even if you have a bad attitude, and I illustrate it, and by the way, I did a little test, and I had them all, I said, on the count of three, these are kids, elementary kids, and I asked them, on the count of three, I want you to give me a bad attitude face. They all could do it. And then I had to do bad attitude body language. Oh, it was off the charts. They were flopping on the floor, kicking their feet and doing all kinds of things. And I go, that's it. You get it. You've got it. Attitude counts. It makes a difference. And I told them this so clearly. I said, I've got news for you. Even when you have a bad attitude, God still loves you. And don't you ever forget it. And so if you're here today or you're online and you say, I'm really not a generous person, I'm not returning, I'm not giving faithfully, I want you to know God still loves you, but he's going, hey, honey, you can do better than this. You can do better with my help and my strength. I'm the difference maker. Wow, I've worked up a sweat already. Here it is. God loves you so much. I did that just by greeting today. God blesses you. You give, God multiplies that gift. Needs are God's sourced and met. God's source, not you source, but God's source and met through you. People point and praise. Generosity is remembered, that's scriptural. And God loves it because he loves cheerful givers. Amen? As a professing and possessing follower of Jesus, this is what you do. This is a joy-filled way to live. This is about living exclusively for him. That's the subtitle of this message. Let me read 2 Timothy 9, 10 through 11. Pick up where I left off. For God, this isn't about a pastor or church or whatever. This is God's word. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread deed. I mean, the farmers planted the grain that has been and is being harvested now, but They planted it, did they cause it to grow? No, they did everything they could to nurture it, but God caused that seed to grow, agreed? Take, pluck a stock of corn and see how many many seeds are on that ear of corn, for example. Bread to eat, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then, oh, I love this phrase, don't forget it, produce a great harvester of generosity, where? In you. Generosity comes from the inside out, not outside ever. You follow me? He will produce a great harvest, just like the farmers are harvesting. Harvest, a great harvest of generosity in you, and it'll look good on you. It'll be attractive. It'll point to Jesus all the way. Yes, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous, so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you can have something to share with others. I'm paraphrasing. And when we take Though your gifts to those who need them, what will they do? Point and praise. They will thank God because of you. It will be God giving to them, not you. 
You just pass on what God has first given you. Can I get a yes out there? That's the difference. We're not looking to put our naming rights on everything because I'd be, to God be the glory, great things he has done, great things he is doing. I love that scripture. Here's a fresh perspective. When God provides and supplies, your first response is to give, is to return, is to be generous. You return the first to him as an act of worship and, and, and surrender. You return to God the first because he first gave to you that I just quoted John three sixteen in that nearly universally known scripture. I'll say it again. God loved the world, that's us, that's all the people in it, that he gave his only begotten son. Once you experience his love and grace, you never get over it. You never get over it. Never, never, never. And you'll never regret it. Oh, I like this. I can hear Andre singing. My friend, best friend I've never met, Psalm 34, eight. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. My friend Andre used to sing it. Oh, taste and see. I've done it before. And the audience echoes that. Oh, oh, you almost got it. And he'd do it again. It wouldn't get another song. Oh, taste and see. That's good about half of you. That the Lord is good. He's really good. And then he'd say, give the Lord a hand clap, everybody, all over the place. He's good. He's faithful. Man, do I miss him, my friend Andre. Listen to him all the time. Was this morning? Was this morning? Well, this is the joy-filled way. God is the one who provides. So I want to hone in on this. That harvest of generosity he wants to birth in and through you because of his goodness. I'll say it again, you can't explain it. You can't explain it away. You can't talk a generous person out of generosity because they have seen God at work. So I wanna talk about the first for a little bit, unapologetically, wrapping up this message today. This is what we teach, this is what we believe in. I wanna tell you again, look at me again online. God loves you no matter where you are on this generosity scale, but he has more for you. He has more for you. I wanna say it as said before, returning God's tithe, in other words, putting him first, is an absolute act of worship. It's an act of trust. It's a tangible way, if you will, of living the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yes, that's a way of life, not just a song we sang. Tithing, that returning, breaks that cycle of scarcity and fear and releases God's continual provision in a way we can't explain. And by the way, tithe means one-tenth. Tithe really means, we say around here and teach, tithe is not leftovers. Tithe is the first 10% of all any increase. What comes to us is really from him, and the first goes back to him as that act of worship, that sacrifice of praise, if you will. It's not ours, it's his. The first is never ours. The first is always God's. That's as biblical as you can get. 
Some would say, and I've heard, oh, I've heard every argument, oh, pastor, that's purely Old Testament, doesn't matter or apply to me now. Well, you're missing a blessing. I passionately disagree. It began, I read this morning in devotions about before the law, Abraham returned the first portion of, of the high priest Melchizedek of its increase to God. That was before the law was given. And in the New Testament, way after the law, under grace, Jesus said, you should tithe. That's the assumption. That's the bottom line. You should. It's an assumption. That's what you do. Don't forget all the other things. But of course, you return the first. Of course. When God blesses you, Worship him in, in an act of honor by saying, God, I return to you the first of what you've given me and I recognize it all comes from you. And God takes it and he blesses you and he multiplies it and he builds your faith and you keep giving and God keeps blessing and it becomes that abundance mentality. It becomes that perpetual provision, that professional, perpetual motion, if you will, that man's never been able to invent. I want to say it again. I'm giving you, I believe, with all my heart, a teaching. It's a life-changing tip today. This is an investment opportunity with great return, and it will create a harvest of generosity within you. I want that, don't you? I want God to be able to harvest generosity out of my life. I sure do. But he does it in you first. In you, in you, in you, in you. Life-changing tip. Returning the first to God breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a cycle of provision, that abundance mentality. So I'm gonna give you three quick points as I round the corner here. This is what living exclusively like is like. We do it, God first. The power of the return is, return is this, that it teaches you to put and keep God first in all things because, as I said, why? Because it's a matter of the heart. And some of you, bless your heart, I can see you around here. Some of you, you've been doing it for years now, but when you first heard it, you were kind of resistant in your heart. You thought, well, what are you talking about? I had somebody that, that came here and said, I, I don't know about this tithe thing. <laughs> I go, well, if you don't know about the tithe thing, you probably don't know about the tithe thing either. Yeah, they were all huffy about it. God first, God first. I love this, this is so clear. And, and I fully embrace the Old Testament too. I, re, I love to read the Old Testament. I mean, my land, cover to cover, it's all God. Deuteronomy 14.23b reads this way from the, a paraphrase of the Living Bible. The purpose of tithing or that return, the first thing, is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And you know what that means? In all things. In all things. He's not looking for your money. He's looking for your heart. He's not looking for any resource that you have. You want to give it. He's looking for your heart. And he said, if I have your heart, I have everything else because you're seeking me first. You're seeking me first. Oh, I, can, I, can, I know what's going on in some of you. What? What? This would require me to change and rearrange my entire life around God. You got it. Precisely. Because he's not only your savior, he's your Lord. Lord of all, not some. Oh, some of you have problems spiritually because you just want to make him Lord over part of your life. Doesn't work that way. If he's Lord, what somebody said, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. This takes, as one author put, crazy faith. Just got that word from him. Yes, it takes faith to return the first. It doesn't take faith to give last or to give leftovers. Tithing, returning each time you receive an increase from God reminds you that every good and perfect gift comes from him. It's an honor to return it, the first portion, but it's his, not ours. Say, it's his, not mine. 
See, that's a mentality that we gotta get over. We, 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 gotta, we gotta embrace this mentality. I'm sorry, I thought I was giving mine. No, I'm giving him his. Crazy faith, yes. What's it do? So the first thing was what? It keeps God first. It puts and keeps God first. The second thing, it builds up your muscle. What do you have to do to build a muscle? What do you have to do? Eat more, did somebody say? No, no, that's the wrong one. You have to exercise more. And the more reps you do, the easier it comes, but then the more difficult it comes, but the next time you can do even more reps, reps, and that's how it is with generosity. Tithing builds your faith, that return. As you see and experience God's faithfulness, nobody can talk you out of it because you've experienced it, you've lived it. Let me read a familiar passage that I often refer to. And by the way, if some of you want to chart your church attendance, you want to stay away in November, almost every November I do something about stewardship, so just put that on, save the date right now, okay? Clear out. Let me read this one with emphasis, Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes, that's first things, what's God's, into the storehouse, that's his home, his house, so there will be enough food in my temple, says the Lord. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I mean sovereign over all, powerful, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. What's the test? God first. I can't answer this for you, but I ask you sincerely, is God first in your life? God's saying, go ahead. Test me in this. I'll prove myself to you. I've done it millions and millions of times, and I'll do it again. This is God's guarantee. His economy stands in stark contrast to the world. It has nothing to do with stock markets, investment, or anything else, or interest rates of homes. It's a decision. He says, I must be first. I don't do leftovers. Do this, and I'll build your faith by creating a harvest of generosity in you. Give me your first, and I'll bless the rest. I want God to bless the rest, don't you? Robert Morris has taught that for years. Begin right now to return God's tithe, make a decision that will require discipline and follow through. You'll begin to see his blessing in new ways, in deeper ways, and I can't tell you how. Your testimony won't be somebody else's, it'll be your own, but you'll become passionate about this as well. This is what happens with generosity. You start by returning God's first, and you see his provision, and it will bless you to give even more, and then you want to start giving offerings above God's tithe. That's an entry point, and before you know it, your entire life priorities are turned right side up. They're totally rearranged. That's part of what we call around here living transformed. It's a matter of the heart. It always has been. You realize that God blesses you when he does and as he does. It's never for you alone, not for you alone. You can make a difference and an impact in this world because it's way better to give than to get. It's powerful, it's freeing, it's living transformed. I don't like many things that are one and done. This isn't a teaching, I'll try it for one week and then pitch it. I like things, classes that we're creating, alpha. We're not gonna do it one time and it's in the weeds. We're gonna perpetuate, we're gonna repeat it again and again and again and again and again and again. That's our dream. Finally, God provides multiple resources. That's what's happened when we put him first in return. And he produces that great harvest of generosity in us. Let me read part of Malachi 10 again, 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the Torah. <laughs> oh, I better be careful there. <laughs> Woo! Elbow your neighbor and go, what did he say a few years ago? 
I don't know what a tour house is, but it's sure better than the last one I said that rhymed. <laughs> that there may be food, and somebody say amen out there. Whew. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. That's God talking, not pastor. So I just want to ask you, I just want to get up close and personal here. Have any of your lives and families ever been touched and changed through the work of God through his church? Come on. Mine has. For goodness sake, you've helped me raise my kids and now my grands, and I'm forever grateful for that. Wow. The church has had a huge spiritual impact. Would you agree? And that's not going to go away because God said, I'm going to keep building it. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. Doesn't matter what culture's doing. My word's going to prevail. Spiritual food in and through God's house matters. People give in God's word and work goes forward and lives are forever touched and changed. And this is what we do. Do all that you do, not only because of what he did. I have no, I, oh, I, I, should, I, I should say only because of what God has done. I have no problem teaching this passionately. I return, we return God's tithe because of what Jesus has done for us. And I'm honored to put him first and worship him in this way. Are you? So I ask you, what cycle are you caught up in? What mentality do you have? Scarcity or abundance? More to come. With God, all things are possible. Is there anything too hard for him? More to come, more to come. I'll review. Scarcity says this. God gives, you consume, you lack, you fear, you consume. God, you see that cycle? It just goes on. Some of you have been living that for so long, it's like a rat race. But the abundance cycle goes like this. It's God's supernatural provision, making no sense in the natural or on paper many times. But God loves, God gives, you return and give. And God multiplies and your faith grows and you give. And God produces a harvest of generosity in you. And people point and praise. Not to you, to me be the glory. To God be all the glory for the things he has done. We return and give because of who God is, because of what he has done. He gets it all. Father, bring glory to your name, and generosity brings glory to his name. This is what we do, and I'm asking you, will you join the we team if you haven't? Let me just say this. I jotted this down in a moment of deep insight. If you're looking for the perfect church, good luck. Because every church I know is made up of people. And I've never met a perfect person, have you? And if you find a perfect church with perfect people, then you go there by all means, you stay there, and you give there, and you invest there. Okay, I mean that. But I've got an even better idea. Hey, you doing all right out there, by the way? Okay, here's a, here's a better idea, I jot it down. Instead, why don't you stay and serve and invest and help make Worcester Naz a better place. And this church will be a better place for you, for me. I believe it. I believe it. We need all the help we can support we can get. We need to keep moving forward because we're moving into that more to come future. More to come future. This really isn't a matter, I'll say it again, of God wanting anything you have. Anything you have has come from him. He sourced it. He doesn't need it, but you and I, we need to be generous. 
Why? Because he's after your heart. A song that a long time ago that I heard Brooklyn Tab sing with their children's choir was, I'll give him my heart. Here are some of the words. What can you give him? What can you bring? What can you offer that's fit for a king? Capital K. Bow before Jesus. That's where you can start. What can you give him? Just give him your heart. What's our response? What can I give him? I'll give him my heart. And you know what happens when you do? Here's the verse that's living and active. One of my new life verses, I'm quoting it all the time, Philippians 2.13. Some of you know it by heart, you should. I pray it, I say it. God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. And I wanna tell you, that's true when it comes to generosity. Amen? I just got goosebumps on that one. Could I ask you a question? Will you ever regret what you've returned to God when you stand before him one day? Huh? I have regrets in my life, but never anything I've done God's way. No regrets. Will you ever regret what you've given to impact others? No way. It matters that you do. So you decide, you choose. Live exclusively for an audience of one, not for men's applause, but for God. Live to hear his words on that final day. Well done. You've been faithful. Amen.